Welcome to the Boston Society of the New Jerusalem's Church on the Hill podcast. If you like it, consider joining us at 140 Bowden Street in Boston for more, or visit us on the web at churchonthehillboston.org. Good morning. The first reading this morning is from Acts chapter 16, verses 9 through 15. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river, where we supposed there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Our gospel reading today comes from John chapter five, verses one through nine. After this, there was a festival of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew, Bethzatha, which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, stand up, take your mat and walk. At once the man was made well and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now that day was a Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. True Christianity, number 339. We are to believe or have faith in God, our Savior Jesus Christ, because this is believing in a God who can be seen, in whom is what cannot be seen. Faith in a God who can be seen, who is both human and divine at the same time, goes deep within us. Although faith is earthly in its form, it is spiritual in its essence. Within us, faith becomes both spiritual and earthly, in that everything spiritual has to be received in what is earthly to become anything to us. Something purely spiritual does indeed enter us, but we do not 
accept it. It is like the ether that flows in and out of us without having any effect. For something to have an effect, we have to be mentally aware of it and open to it. We have no such awareness or openness unless something affects our earthly self. So normally when I'm up here from time to time, I say odd Swedenborgian words that confuse you. So, nothing confuses you. <laughs> uh, this time I'm going to do uh, eudaimonia. Eudaimonia. The great thing about this word is it's not a Swedenborgian word. I'm just confusing you with a regular word. Eudaimonia. It's a Greek word. It comes actually from Aristotle. The, re- uh, the root of the word means both good, which is the euda, and then the diamond means spirit. Aristotle used this word to talk about, these are his words, the good composed of all goods, an ability ability which suffices for living well, perfection in respect to virtue, resources sufficient for a living creature. This was Aristotle saying something really complicated that breaks down to we should be happy. You, it's a shame he couldn't say that, right? Just, we should be happy. We should be happy. What is the purpose and meaning of life? What is, what is the great mystery that will, will make us be happy? So, in what I can only refer to as the greatest failed Star Trek movie ever, Star Trek The Motion Picture, I don't know if anyone remembers when it came out, it was... On the big screen, Captain Kirk is back again. At points, you just pay attention to the fact that you see the side of the set that they didn't realize was in the frame. That was kind of boring because they took an hour-long TV show and made it into a two-hour movie. Something really interesting happens in this movie. An alien comes to the Earth and starts to destroy it. This alien's name is V'ger. Now, I'm assuming most people here are not Star Trek fans, and they don't know who V'ger is, so I'm going to tell you who... Who V'ger is. V'ger comes back to Earth demanding to talk to the Creator. And V'ger's willing to destroy the entire Earth to ask the question, why am I here? What you find out towards the end is that, that V'ger is returning home and that V'ger gets his name from the rusted over nameplate of Voyager. And it's the NASA space probe that we sent out into the universe. Kind of gets broken down, fixed up by an alien race, and then comes back to us and wants to understand why it exists. It, is, it was not enough for V'ger to simply know what to do, that it's supposed to fly around and learn and teach and explore. It wanted to know why. It wanted to return to the creator. Some would argue the Bible itself is that sort of story. The fall from the Garden of Eden, while we may not have experienced it, we have this understanding of the idyllic life and that something bad happened and now we have to 
have pain in childbirth. We have to farm. We had floods. We had to build temples and get them knocked down and rebuilt temples. And we do all of this work all so we can get to the final place. And in scripture, that's the new Jerusalem. The idea of this heavenly city that comes down and there's only peace and beauty present. How many people want that? I I do. I want a life of peace and beauty. That is a question that's been asked throughout history. How do we How do we embrace happiness? Our gospel reading today is about a man who was paralyzed, sitting at the edge of a pool that he believed if he could just get down to that pool, he would be healed. He had been ill for 38 years. And when the Lord asked him what he was doing, he was like, everybody keeps getting in my way. I'm never able to get down there. It's their fault, not mine. It's their fault. I can't get down there. Now keep in mind, the average lifespan for a person in biblical times, if they make it past the age of 20, is about 60 years. So at 38, this guy is not a spring chicken. He's sitting there looking at what's supposed to heal him, and he can't get there. If he could make his way to the pool, a pool, if he could just reach it, everything would be okay. He just, he just needed someone to carry him down there, but nobody would do it. They just got in his way. They wouldn't let him do I don't know if you've ever had these thoughts going through your head about how it's everybody else's fault. Have you ever thought this way in your life? That, that really, if someone would just give me a break, if somebody would just give me a break, if they would get out of my way, then then everything would be okay. The Lord, by the way, you notice what he does? He doesn't pick him up. He doesn't take him down to the water. He says, pick up your mat and walk. How many of us sit and wait? How many of us think that it's someone else who's supposed to somehow give us what we deserve a reward, that someone else should solve our problems How many other people are responsible for our plight? I'm going to talk about six stories. And by six stories, I don't mean fun, like, stories that have a plot and a character. I mean six stories we tell ourselves. Six stories, I'm not good enough. Right? This is a major story we tell ourselves. I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm too late. If I would have just done this earlier. I have all these friends who are like, I was born in the wrong era. I should have been born in the medieval times. I was just born at the wrong time. I like flush toilets, people. I'm born in the right time. People say, I'm too late. Well, I'm just not lucky. Other people are lucky. The world should love me for who I am no matter what I do. Ugh, change is just too hard. We can't do it. And then finally, the world owes me. I've done a lot and the world owes me. These are six stories that get in our way all the time. These are stories that we tell ourselves 
when we're upset that we are not doing what we want to do. And they make us feel better. Do you know why? Because it makes it so whatever it is that we want is not our fault. There are ways of deflecting what we want and blaming the lack of getting what we want on other people. Well, here's the thing. There, there are only lies in that. That is the man who is standing atop the pool and looking up. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, that a person can make anything happen that they want to have happen. I could really want to fly, and I'm not going to fly. I'm not saying that tomorrow, if I just say to myself, I really want to be rich, I can go out and have all the money in the world. I'm talking about my agency of who I blame for my life. Here's the thing. You all, each one of you individually, you are good enough. Each one of you have the ability to have power to make a choice to live and to act. We all have the ability to say, I can work on this. I can grow. This is a problem that takes effort, and I have effort to give. Man, if we could spend the effort to work on our problem to the same degree that we can complain about our problems, man, we would do a lot. We would. I want to change. What if that was our lesson? What if our message wasn't, I'm not good enough, but I want to grow and become good enough? What if our message was, the world is constantly changing, and if I don't do something to change with it, if I don't learn, then I'm going to be cut off from a changing world. We're not all going to be perfect in the beginning. We have work to do. If you feel that you're too late, that you missed the boat, that there's, there's somehow that if, if you could have just been the one to get there five minutes earlier, things would be okay. Well, this is a story we tell ourselves all the time. And I hear this, and, I'm, and I'm, I might pick on somebody here, but a person who says, I'm too old to learn the computer. Talk to Pat. Every public library. I'm too old to do this. You know, Ray Kroc, when he was 52, do you know what he did? He bought into a McDonald's. Within 10 years, he was McDonald's. Now, I'm not saying he's a guy who I spiritually emulate. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like a big fan of Ray Kroc. My point is, it's not too late. People transform the world and have new lives at every age. People reinvent themselves all the time. The question is, are you willing to do what it is you want to do? God's not asking any of us to change. He's asking us to be the person we were created to be. Lucky people tend to believe, by the way, that they create opportunities, not that they're lucky. Success is based on effort more than anything else. I don't know how many of you know Alexander Fleming. He's kind of an interesting guy. Anyone know Alexander Fleming? He invented penicillin. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all good. Do anyone know the story of how he invented penicillin? Some people say by accident. There is an element of luck there. 
we have water polo to thank for penicillin, if anyone doesn't know that. He had two jobs, the modern hospital and the less modern hospital. Both offered him positions. He took the less modern hospital because they had a swimming pool and he wanted to practice water polo, so he took this. You know what, Fleming was known for sloppy research, for bad research methodology. He actually was not a very good researcher. And the one thing he was was perceptive to notice when he left the window open in his dirty lab that there was something weird happening in his Petri dish. He was working on the flu at the time this all happened. And he noticed something weird happening in his Petri dish, and he was willing to say, why, why are things running away from that? I want to look into that more. Fourteen years later, by the way, this was not like, oh, look at that, we discover something. He works on it for four or five years, moves on to something else, it goes to a research team in the United States. Eventually, penicillin becomes a real thing. Fourteen years of work. That's not luck. To say that we have penicillin out of luck is missing 14 years of research, very specific skills of people who trained years to get to that spot. A person who was smart enough to realize, yes, when a moment of luck occurred, that there was something there that he should work on. A speck of luck and years of effort and work. People should love us for who we are. Now we all, I think we probably all know people who say that. But I, how many of you, I've said this before, how many of you want to be the person you were when you were 12? And, well, okay. Matthew wants to be the person he was when he was 12. But I don't. I remember being 12. It was horrible. It was awkward. I had growing pains. I knew enough to get myself in a lot of trouble. Right? I, I was awkward. I didn't understand how to work with people. I didn't understood what, understand what it really means to be who I wanted to become. But through effort, I grow into the person I am today. None of us want to be the person who we are. We all want to be the best version of who we can be. Does that make sense? If we don't, if you're really satisfied with every aspect of your life, you would just sit there. You wouldn't move. We all want to be the person that's the best version of ourselves. But that takes, again, Effort. It takes not blaming others. It takes being willing to be the one to work. Change just requires effort. It's true. But you know what? Sometimes people use effort as an excuse. And What's the old saying? The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Is that right? You don't start running by choosing a marathon or even a half marathon. You don't start mountain climbing by going to Everest. You don't say, I wish I read more. I'm going to pick up something light like War and Peace. You don't reach your destination by one, by one step. If you change, by the way, 
1% each day. Anyone here who think they change 1% each day? I, I hope I do. Mathematically, by the end of the year, you would change 37%. It's kind of fun. It's kind of like compounding daily instruments for anybody who knows investing. Change doesn't need to be dramatic. It, it's a simple list. It's 10 items, and today I'm going to do one thing new. If you don't know how to use a computer, do you know what I challenge you to do today? Turn one on. I don't, I'm not asking you to become a programmer. Turn one on. I would say if you've never played the piano before, come and play the piano, but I'd get in trouble for saying that. It just takes one day learning one thing new. One day doing something that you didn't do the day before that you always wanted to do. It doesn't need to be something where you get great benefits. It takes just simply acknowledging that I need to take the first step. By what virtue has God not lived up to a promise made to you? What aspect of your life isn't directly linked to your choices? Who is blocking you from becoming you? You see, the pool is not that far away. Take up your mat and walk. Shift the center of control from the world to yourself. By the way, there's only one person you can control, and it's you. You're not going to all of a sudden make the government work tomorrow. You're not all of a sudden going to make the one problem that's surrounding you go away tomorrow. You're not going to fill your heart's desire tomorrow just because you want it done. It takes work. Lydia, by the way, a fabric maker. How many of you like Lydia? I love Lydia. Lydia is a great character. She has like one sentence in the Bible. She's known as St. Lydia, the first Western con uh, convert, by the way. She had a couple of guys who she met at the prayer group, had a conversion experience, and then invited them back to her house. Now, do you know how radical that is for her day and age? One, for her to be able to invite someone to her house. Two, she's a businesswoman in that day and age. Lydia's incredible. This is a woman who was never stopped by saying, oh, I can't do it. Lydia is a person who approached life by being the one who's in charge, by seeing the good that she can have with other people and taking the bull by the horns or the horse by the reins or whatever, whatever you want to say. She was a powerful woman. Her cloth from Macedonia reached out beyond herself. We are seeking wholeness. We are seeking healing. Swedenborg talks about this concept of earthly and spiritual all the time. It can be confusing with the language he uses. But he's really talking about something very simple. Be the person you were created to be. Swedenborg is talking about not letting the world stop you from embracing 
what it is you are called to be. The problem is the world can make us feel like a paralytic. The problem is that we can too often say, I don't have the other stuff that I need, when in reality, you are good enough. You are loved. And in many ways, you are the center of all creation for God. Because the degree that you welcome God into your heart and your life and take that power and share it with those who are around you, that's the degree to which you are in heaven and you are a part of God. Lydia invited Paul home. She said, if you, that's the exact quote. She said, if you have judged me to be faithful, Lord, come home and stay at my home. That's not about a roof over her head. It's about God living in her heart and in her life. I hope each one of us, when we hear the messages of this world telling us that we do not have a place, we can remember to invite God into our hearts. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Boston Society of the New Jerusalem's Church on the Hill podcast. If you liked what you hear, consider joining us at 140 Bowden Street, Boston, for more. Or visit us on the web at churchonthehillboston.org.